Hey guys, my name is Aaron McManus, and you were listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. I wanted to introduce this podcast because I think it's really special. And we did an episode last week on dating, and this one's a pretty big uh, jump into a different direction. And we're talking about getting to work. This kind of interesting reality we're living in, where so many people are living on unemployment, and so many of our friends are unable to find people to work jobs in their companies. I think Brooke had sent me uh, a stat during this podcast talking about 44% of small businesses have open positions. So this whole episode is about getting to work, the value of work, the purpose of work, and how to find purpose in in your job. But something we didn't really get into is, is the reality that we have a new book coming out. We have a baby coming into the family, the genius of Jesus. I wish I had written this book. I didn't. My dad did. And I'm really excited about the fact that it is live to pre-order on Amazon. You can go to the link in our bio um, on the Battery podcast and you can go to pre-order it or you can go to Erwin McManus on Instagram and you can pre-order the book. On Amazon, it's called The Genius of Jesus. And what I really am excited about is, is where I get to read the book I get to be a part of this new project we're working on called The Genius Of. It's a new podcast, and I think next week we're going to feature the first episode of The Genius Of podcast on Battle Ready. So I'll probably be doing the intro for that as well. Go and subscribe to The Genius Of on Apple Podcast or on Spotify. Check it out. There's a little intro from my dad kind of explaining what it is that we are going to do. But I want everybody from Battle Ready to go and be a part of it. Uh, our first episode comes out, I think, in a week or two weeks, and so new content is coming. Pre-order the book, subscribe to the podcast, enjoy this episode on work, and if you are on unemployment, if you are young and you're going, this is uncomfortable for me to listen to other people talk about this, I think this is a great conversation. DMS, let's have a conversation, let's build, let's have permission to disagree, and let's continue forward building this little tribe that we call Battle Ready. Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin. It's good to be here with you today. It is. This is our second attempt at this intro. It's because you're a little tired today? I'm a little tired today. <laughs> I said, I'm tired from work. And you said, well, then you must not love what you do. And I said, well, maybe I don't. So then now we're here, and, and we fought on the last one. We probably shouldn't. It would be funnier just to play the last intro. But, but, but I think it's a, good, it's a good question. You know, when you work at something you loved, can you still get exhausted? Yes. <laughs> yes, because you can get exhausted from anything. Absolutely. Right? I agree. I agree because if like you... Like after I surf, it doesn't mean I'm not tired. I'm tired. I've been swimming around. Yeah, no, not an otter. But, but, but I would say that when you love your work, it is more like energizing. Dolphin. And when you don't love your work, it is more draining. Y- yes to both and no to both. You can love your work. You can love your wife but not like her all the time. Well, you wouldn't know. I've seen it. And in all of my friends. Because you could be, like, uh, let's say, a pro surfer, which would be something. Well, I wouldn't know what that's like either. Right. But I imagine even pro I surfers. Who, and I drowned, was drowned. Surfers who love to surf are probably exhausted after a tournament. Yes. And basketball so, players are exhausted yeah. after playing basketball. Right. So you can be exhausted doing something you love. And you can also be invigorated by it. I just happened to catch one. I caught the tireds. <laughs> I think, though, there's a difference between something that's exhausting and something that's draining. Please 
Please explain. This is this is going somewhere. If you're listening, this is. Well, going we're somewhere. talking about work. We and we're going to get there. Work. Because I think what happens, we're going to get there. But are they going to get there? Yeah. But so many times, what happens is that you're doing work that's not just exhausting, but it's draining. Yes. Because it's not rewarding. It's not fulfilling. There isn't a sense of of your own uh, purpose. Uh, and you can't find meaning in that work. And so it can be incredibly draining, which is a different kind of exhaustion. And so you can be physically exhausted, even mentally exhausted by a job that's really hard, but you see the importance of that job and the value of it. But then I, I think there's a deeper kind of draining in a job where you get up and go, what am, why am I doing this? Right. And, and really the reason we're talking about this is because we have a phenomenon right now across uh, the United States. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's uh, true across other countries, but um, people, a lot of people do not want to go back to work. Why do you think that is? Well, um, I don't think there's a singular reason, but I do think that people don't have meaning in their work. And if you don't have meaning in your work, you see work as a punishment and not as a privilege. Mm. Uh, but, but it's phenomenal to me because um, we, were, we were going to a, a soccer match and the parking was horrific. It took us an hour just to make one turn into the parking lot afterwards. Like, you're not joking. It took you 50 minutes. It, yeah, it took 50 minutes yeah. to get into the parking lot. And afterwards, the, uh, the president of uh, LAFC explained to us that it, they don't have control over the parking. And they said, but the, but the reason they're having so much problems over there is because they can't get people to come back to work. And so they, they have a deficit in employees. I was talking to someone else uh, who's opening up a, uh, a salon, they have a, a barbershop. And they said they have spots for about half a dozen um, stylists, but they can't find a single stylist that wants to work. Right. Talked to another friend in Chicago, so it's not just in L.A. Uh, he has a huge company or a large company. And yeah. he said he has 50, 300 and 400 yeah, employees, yeah. 50 in, uh, openings in his company. Because people do not want to come back to yeah. work. Yeah. And I keep hearing this uh, theme over and over again. And in fact, I just saw yesterday that, I don't know if it's Amazon or some company, offering $1,000 bonuses for people who will just come to work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're having to bribe people or pay them or offer them incentives. Signing bonuses. Signing bonuses to come to work. Yeah. Do you think it's... Well, okay. So we were talking to the, to the one friend who, who has three or 400 people that work for him and he's in the Midwest and right. he was like, look, like, sometimes it's not the sexiest job, but it's a job and you got to come into the, to the office. And then yeah. there's kind of this new wave of, I think when all of these big tech companies initially promised you can work from home, we'll never make you come back. It set a really unhealthy precedent for the rest of the generation. Anyone who's young is going, I would rather work from home than work in an office mm -hmm. and be forced to stay there and live my life from, you know, eight to five or nine to five in a space that is un, like lacks creativity, you know, maybe lacks kindness, maybe lacks any s sense of meaning into their life. Mm -hmm. So how do you, and I feel like on the other side, there's a lot of people who, who have started companies, who have created a lot of like home projects. You know, we were reading an article the other day that said, like, this generation is one of the wealthiest generations to ever live. There's more there's more young people in millennial G or millennial Z. And what is the other Gen Z? And what's the other one? 
Gen X? Gen X, like X, X and Z, X, Y, and Z, that more than the baby boomers, and they're actually wealthier, and they're actually bringing in a higher income. Mm-hmm. So, But then there seems like there's a huge disparity between people who are doing well in, in, in between my age and lower mm-hmm. to then the people who are making less than $50,000 a year, and so going on unemployment seems mm-hmm. to be more beneficial. I don't think it's beneficial for their mental state, but I think going like, hey, I'm working a job I don't love, and I'm not getting paid well, so I'll go on unemployment and at least get to live my life. Is that really living your life to have to go from working a job that doesn't have a ton of purpose for you directly, but then going to like literally working no job and having no purpose? I'm not sure. So it's also um, a perspective about work. Is uh, is work um, the institution or um, the the government or society imposing upon you uh, forced labor? And, and I think it, it, there is this definite ideological difference. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, when I was watching this, I think, documentary on Karl Marx, and he had a very adversarial personal view about work. He felt like work was um, a, a part of the, uh, the burden that's laid on the common person. And, and, and I guess in an ideal scenario, we wouldn't have to work. And, uh, and, I, and in fact, I remember this uh, years ago, uh, I had a, a friend who was very entrepreneurial, uh, but uh, but not successfully entrepreneurial. And he brought three or four of his friends together and said, hey, guys, let's come up with an idea together where we never have to work the rest of our lives. And then one of the guys said, but I actually like working. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I don't want an idea where I don't have to work the rest of my life. I want an idea where I get to work the rest of my life. And the same thing with this uh, friend of mine. I mean, if he sold his company, he probably would make near $100 million dollars. And, um, but he's not worth that if he doesn't sell his company. So it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's wealth that's on the other side of the veil if he sells his company. And he he loves working. He he loves, and he was asking me, should I sell it? I said, well, what do you want to do that you're not doing now if you sold it? And he said, I'm doing everything I want to do. (laughs) And uh, and I said, and what do you enjoy doing the most? He goes, I love running my company. (laughs) He loves leading. He loves the the social engagement. He loves the teaming. He loves all of it. He he loves creating jobs. He loves the whole dynamic. He does. And so I said, so why would you sell your company if it actually gives you the platform to work at a job you love and yeah. you have all the freedom to do all the things you want to do? And I think sometimes we think that the the goal or the, in life is to be free from work, but it's actually, I think, it's free to work. It's free to work um, a job that actually has meaning for you. And, and, um, and, and I think sometimes we make a mistake. We think that every job, quote, should be meaningful but I think the truth is that we have to bring meaning to our job rather than just looking for meaning in our job. Well, I think it's, you talked about it. It's the perspective on working. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's our value for work. You know, I, I think it was, I don't know. I've, I've been bad at jobs before, so I know what it's like to, to not have any meaning in a job and to not feel like I didn't like my job. My job didn't like me. There was not a mutual relationship. And when I left, I felt so much freedom and so much fear because I'm like, now I need to get another job. And the next job was more fun, but it took time between jobs. Like I couldn't just find a job that I liked or that I thought would I would like or any kind of job that would push me on a career path, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do understand the feeling of going like the mundane, the monotonous, the repetition. We're not like a, a factory line culture mm-hmm. anymore. And so, but with that, do you think it stems from this idea that we all are meant to be creative 
And now everyone just wants to be creative and be free and no one wants to actually sit down and lock in and grind it out. Yeah, but creativity is interconnected to productivity. You know, being creative isn't sitting around and just thinking of ideas. Right. Being uh, The word creative has inside of it the word create. Yeah. And if you're not creating, you're not actually being creative. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sitting with some people on Sunday and, and they said, someone said something like, I would do this business, but there, there's already so many businesses just like this. Mm. And I'm like, that's every one of the things that we start. Sure. That's every, that's the next project I'm working on. And like, <laughs> there's a million different coffee things in the world, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to, but I still drink it. So I'm, I'm going to make one. All right. But that every, what if a musician said that? Well, I would do music, but there are already so many people creating music. I mean, you have to believe that you are bringing a fresh perspective yeah. to <laughs> You, a, a, a discipline that's existed for thousands of years. <laughs> then you don't care enough about it. Because yeah. I think the reality is that it's like, one thing I think is interesting, right? It, so th- the second thing that the person said was, um, you know, like, I don't know, I would do this, but but there's many people who are doing it. And they were like, who cares? Who cares about the idea? It's about the execution. Yeah. It's how you get it done. Mm-hmm. And this person's a better business person than a creative. He's like, I don't care about the idea. The idea sounds fine. <laughs> We can, but we can execute it in a creative way to achieve something really great. And I thought that was really interesting. Creativity without productivity, is it worthless? Or is it just not? Um, creativity without productivity is an illusion. You're not actually being creative if you're not, produce, if you're not being productive. But like, okay, so my argument would be, if maybe I'm not a musician, like I'll never make money from being a musician, should I still play music? Should I still like be creative in that own yeah it's just a hobby there's a difference right. between um the ability to be able to monetize your creativity then the the ability to be able to express yourself okay and uh, let me just for a second put this in a church context we don't oftentimes put it in a church context when someone says why are you starting a new church there's so many churches here and um and the answer is if your church is just like all those churches that are there it's absurd to start a new church there. But if your church is uniquely different than the churches that are there, then it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because if you're bringing something that hasn't been offered and isn't being offered to people that people desperately need, it's a really important thing to do. Yeah. It's just like with a restaurant. You know, I mean, why start another restaurant when there's so many restaurants? But if you, if your grandma has recipes that create food that no one else can create lasagna like that, or no one else can create patai like that, whatever it may be, then you have something that hasn't been offered yet. Right. And so a a lot of it is, if a market is saturated, you really have to bring a unique perspective Mm -hmm. to it. And then, of course, it's always great to look for a market that isn't saturated, where there is a need that isn't being met. Right. And that is the best kind of uh, creativity with productivity. So what's going to happen with these companies that are that are, you know, generating hundreds of millions of dollars that need workers and crews and teams, mm-hmm. but no one will work for them. Are well, we going to watch kind of this rise and fall of an Amazon where you have this huge backlash of their, within their workforce going, you don't pay us enough. The work is brutal. It's, you know, like I can't keep doing this. People are quitting after a few days. I'm sure there's people who have been there for 10 years. So, you know, there's always like a spectrum sure. in the reality in this space. But what do you think will happen? I think there are going to be two different things that happen. Yes. Uh, right now, we know the break point is 50000 Okay. If you're making 
$50,000 a year or less, being on unemployment is actually better for you. So a lot of people aren't going back to work because unemployment and uh, subsidies give you the same lifestyle because if you're making 50000 a year and you're being taxed on that, you're probably living on, you know, 30000 $35,000 a year. And you living can, on thirty five thousand a year? No, you're, no, there's no way. After you pay taxes or anything like yeah, that, you're twenty, twenty, and ten. So you're paying twenty grand in taxes. You're. I was trying to hope that they had some loopholes there, but you know yeah, they could be no living way. on half no, of that, right? Less than half. For yeah, sure. and uh, dependencies or anything like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a problem, and um, so I think two things will happen. One is when you raise minimum wage, and this is an interesting thing because the other day you were talking about how you're, you know you're really in favor of raising minimum wage to give people a way of living. Well, well, I was against it. And then I read an article and I was like, okay, maybe I'm actually for it when it comes to gigantic, like Titan companies like Amazon. When you hear that they're not paying taxes. And they are not paying taxes. And they're not paying their employees very well. Yeah. And I'm sure there are people who work for Amazon that are making millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But the guy who's stuffing, you know, shipping boxes and, 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 and having to like, on the line, yeah, he's not doing very well. No, and you look at you know maybe like Bezos, who probably pays no taxes really, and yeah, and it it, it is definitely skewed. So here's the dynamic: um, when minimum wage is raised, it affects in a negative way small companies, mom and pop companies. It doesn't right. affect really the large companies, right? That, you know, and they usually just change. They ju- usually just raise the costs. So it doesn't actually affect the wealthiest people in their company. It affects the consumer. We're the ones that end up paying for that right. difference. But the other dynamic is when you raise the minimum wage and you create an, a free flow of, of immigration with um, undocumented workers, those undocumented workers actually begin filling in the space of all the jobs that are available below minimum wage. And even though I was not undocumented when I came here, I am an immigrant, and I can tell you that my first job was below minimum wage, and I was paid um, an illegal. I was paid a dollar ten cents an hour for my first job. Because yeah, what you were fifteen? Yeah, so I was below. Working at a pizza shop. So they found a uh, found a way of paying me under the table. Under the table, which you is know, such a thing still. It's it's a reality of of life, and yeah. uh, um, and so two things will happen either. Those jobs will be filled through um, undocumented workers or, second thing, yeah. technology will be created where those labor jobs will be eliminated. And so then the person who says, I'm not going to work that job, that job won't be available in 10 years or 20 years because right now we have technology that's doing the job that workers were doing 40, 50, 100 years ago. And and so, the, it, so there is sort of an evolution of of labor that's happened in the, through the industrial revolution. But, but here's my question is, um, like I was raised with a work ethic. You just work. In fact, I was taught if you don't have a job, your job is to get a job yeah. until you have a job. So you have a job. And like, uh, so you always had work. And then there's another dynamic. Even if you don't have a job, you can always do work. And, and, and so always find a way to volunteer or do something. Yeah. And and yet what we have right now is that we have a lot of people who have been educated, who have actually gone to college and finished their degrees, who just don't feel motivated to work. Yeah. And I think this is going to be interesting, like dynamic in our culture. Uh, we have politicians, policy leaders who are saying, A, let's create a universal salary where everyone gets paid regardless of whether they work or not. By the way. Who pays for that? Yeah. 
everybody who works pays for that. And that's what right. we have to realize is that, is that when you're creating policies and the government's paying for them, the government is a terrible business. It doesn't make any money. It only consumes money. And so the moment there are trillions of dollars that are going out from the government and we think, oh, this is great. We need to realize that money doesn't exist. That money uh, is being borrowed off of our hard work, and that's called our taxes. And, and so what we need to realize is there are people who are saying, hey, everyone should get a salary, uh, and that should be minimum. Or other people saying Americans should only work four days a week. And, they're, they're, you know, and four days a week, and work 12 to 16 hours a week. Four days a week. Because it was Henry Ford who really built the five-day work week thing. Probably through the factories. I, I don't really right. know the history yeah. of that. Okay. I was much. reading an article on it last week. Oh, that's amazing. It, it was interesting. It was like, yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with, he He was, I'm sure it existed before him, but I think he made it really public policy that we work a five-day work week from nine to five. And before that, farmers worked 12 hours a day. Yeah. And then they took the harsh winters off because they yeah. <laughs> had to stay inside. And so they're, they were working whatever their farm or their labor demanded of them. And, um, but aside from that, I just want to talk about like the ethic of work. Is work something we should be trying to escape or, or is work something that actually is good for the human spirit? Like, so I'm asking, I guess, yes. a, a bizarre question. Is work good for you? Yes. It's very good for you. <laughs> and, uh, it's no, it's it, work is good for you. And this is why when you don't work, you become lazy. It is different than if you can't work. It's yeah. different than if you are incapable and you have like suffered an injury. Or you're or, not able to get a job. Not able to get a job. But yeah. I'm like, this is one thing. When I, I find it one of the most beautiful things. Like mm-hmm. there's some movie theaters in LA that, that help like um, mentally challenged young guys and men and women get jobs like in their theaters. That's awesome. Back when theaters were open. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And I'm like, okay, look, this is the beauty of purpose. Because someone who is fighting through a mental disability mm-hmm. who did not decide this for themselves, mm-hmm. chooses to show up in work and find so much joy in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They bring the best energy, the best attitude, and they're fighting through, they're climbing up a mental mountain yeah. every day. If they can show up to work, and I don't mean they in a bad way, I mean they is like, they're like the pinnacle of, I go like, if they can show up to work despite fighting through stuff, a generation that is healthy, whether they may not be mentally healthy, and I think that's a, a thing mm-hmm. that this generation is struggling with, mm-hmm. just on in their own mentality, right? Um, in that, I, I think you have to you have to realize that that if you are capable, you should. Yeah. So there are people who find joy in working in spite of the liabilities that they have, and they, disabilities. Yeah, disabilities. And right. Um, it's funny. Uh, like that, that to me is like is a is a yeah. purpo- is a purposeful heroism going, yeah. like. It's just a beautiful story and a beautiful reality that goes, they see the value in work. They see the value. They see it as a gift. And I'm like, I often am reminded, I'm like, if you can be so happy working a simple Mm -hmm. job, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that that everyone talks about. Like you can be the richest person in the world and so miserable. Yeah. Right. And you could, and and your life could be falling apart. You got the business right, but you necessarily didn't get the personal life right. And then you could be someone who's genuinely financially struggling and you could have the happiest life in the world. Like there's a euphoria that you can't achieve with money. Yeah. A little confession. Uh, Kim asked me the other day to go to Jenny's ice cream. So we went to Jenny's and, um, and we walked inside and the people working there were so joyful and so happy and so positive. 
that when they gave us the ice cream, I looked back and I said, hey, I want to thank you guys for being so happy. You create such an incredible environment. And yeah. they just were giddy that somebody uh, acknowledged the culture of happiness and joy and serving. And it's interesting because like you go up the street and you go to go get them. And I love those guys. Like I'm fans. So if they hear yeah. that, I'm fans of them. Um, but the culture there, I've watched it over seven years since I moved back from New York. It opened like right mm-hmm. when I moved back and became my local spot whenever I was at your house. And now they have, you know, ten, seven, of, seven of them in the city. I'm like, I've watched the culture deteriorate because they're so afraid of COVID mm. that like they don't see them having fun. I just see them being exhausted and afraid mm-hmm. and it sucks and it, to watch. And I go, OK, look, if we're in a generation of young people who are saying, I'd rather you pay me out so I don't have to work and enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. There should be a benefit like. I'm just throwing this out there. Right? I'm not an economist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just disclaim this right up front. We've talked about this in the past. If you want to take the you want to take your 50 and chill. Amazing but you can't live in a major city and I get a dependency. Like I pay less taxes. <laughs> like if I choose to work, I should only have to pay 10% tax right off the bat. 10% tax. Well, I mean, they've been proposing a 15% flat tax forever. 15%? 15%. 15%. Amazing. I give, I give my church more than 50%. So you're saying if Americans so don't want to work and they want to take 50 grand a year. Take the we, 50. Those of you, us who are working should be able to count them as dependents. 100%. <laughs> take the 50, but you got to live in Arizona and in Vegas. You don't get to live in on the beach in California. Well, I mean, Phoenix is a very get, popular place right now. You, what? It is a popular place because yeah. of tax, but you, and you, but you don't get subsidized rent in a major city with a beach view. Like, not that you get a beach view, but I'm saying like you don't mm-hmm. get in a major city. Because what ends up happening is that you, there's all this unemployment and now the governor of California is like forgiving rent debt. Did you hear about that? No, I did. I missed that one. Can you can you Google that, Brooke? But I, re- I was reading an article last week on, on Newsom saying he's going to forgive the rent debt over the last year and a half in California. I'm not mad at that. But th- where does the money come from, right? Mm-hmm. It comes from your taxes. It comes from my taxes. It comes mm-hmm. from the listener's tax. And I, 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 of course, don't want people, I want people to benefit from generosity, but I don't necessarily believe not working helps the whole. Right. And remember, it's not generosity if it's not your money. It isn't. You're not, un- <laughs> you're not unemployed. You're, you work for me, but you're not doing anything because I'm paying taxes. Yes. But, and you, but is it, you, get, you get what I'm saying there, yeah, right? I, I'm just working my way back this really fundamental question of, and I'd love to get comments from our listeners. Do you think work is a value? Like, is work a virtue? Is working and being productive essential to human well-being and health? Are we missing something by thinking that not working makes people healthy, but rather than being productive and working actually gets you up in the morning, gives you something to do? Uh, I I can't remember it was. I think it was Sweden. Uh, No, Norway. I was in Oslo, Norway years ago, and I was sitting in a room with people who wanted to start a church, and um, and I learned this concept for the first time. Some of the leaders were, were taking a year off paid leave for stress, and I said, what? Oh, Sweden. Yeah, and they Sweden. said, no, I think, I'm pretty sure I was in Oslo. No, I was with you. It was with um, the Swedish boys. Well, I, it might be both countries, but, but it might be, you, yeah. you get a year off for stress. And I'm sitting there going, if, if you're taking a year off of work, paid leave for stress, you don't have what it takes to start a church. So here's the thing. I think it was Sweden, but you've been to Norway. I haven't been to Norway. 
oh, no, you know who it was? We were having dinner with the Norwegian and the Swedish guys. It was both of them. So you just got this update? from Yeah, from Brooke in the booth. Newsom extended the state's eviction moratorium through September 30th and signed legislation to clear rent debt for low-income Californians through 5.2 billion rent relief program, biggest of any state in the U.S. Is there more? Hold on, let me open and, it. And again, one of the challenges yeah. is that when you when you look at the government, the government is quote throwing money at problems. It doesn't fix the problem because it's just a black hole because that problem will be there next year. And it's those of us who are working who are actually going to carry the weight of those decisions. And I think about Detroit. I mean, Detroit ended up losing its tax base because everyone moved out of the city of Detroit. And how in the world is California going to be able to handle its tax debt uh, You know, when so many people are leaving California who actually make money and create jobs and are the creators of the economy? I mean, when you have, what, Tesla leave California, go to Texas? Yeah, they still have an outfit here, but they basically built their entire new truck factory mm-hmm. in in Austin and said that we're going to make this our Yeah, our and they wanted to go to Island. Brooklyn or that area no, over there? No, that was Amazon. Oh, that was Amazon. And AOC shut that down. Yeah, I think AOC shut that down. And I'm going, when you shut down... <laughs> when you shut down, quote, a corporation because you, you see companies as evil, you're actually shutting down the opportunity for people to have real meaningful work income and that income translates into um, rent, mortgages, food for your kids, education for your kids. And uh, and we, we cannot see um, companies as the enemy. We cannot and, – and even more than that, we cannot see work as the enemy. Okay, so here, here's the thing, right? Like if you're on unemployment, don't stop listening. If I offended you, I didn't mean to. But I do think if you can, you should work. And I understand fear is real. Like, I really do understand fear is a real thing. If you're, you got, but that's something you've got to work through, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I, and, and, and he, here's, here's my thing with, I would never in a million years go on unemployment. Never. Mm. It's never going to happen. I'm going to, like, I was having this conversation with one of my good friends who is an architect. And mm-hmm. he said, I was a foster kid who got adopted. I grew up with nothing. I am now an architect and I'm, I do well. But if I lost that job tomorrow, if I was that job today, he goes, I would be at Home Depot with with the men and women who stand there waiting to get a job. Mm. He goes, you don't understand. Like, I, it is ingrained in me that if I would never let 24 hours go by without me having a job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it, it gave me so much respect for him mm-hmm. because it turned something. I was like, no, I agree. I'm the same way, right? Like, mm-hmm. if if I would hopefully never have a gap you just keep working keep building because i do believe that like it's in our if i'm able to i should mm-hmm. i want to contribute to the whole but at the same time how do we do this i feel for the people who make i feel for people who make very little i have been that person you have <laughs> been that person yes i have you know and and so it, it, it isn't trying to speak negatively on people who are making under a certain level because i was talking to you about this i'm going if you're amazon and you're now with your company is in, you know, you're making billions and billions of dollars a year and it comes out, you're not really paying taxes because you're making sure that your profit and losses 
is in a is in that that pr- prime space where you don't have to pay taxes. You're using was it federal like kickbacks and oh, yeah. and, vow- and and exemptions and all of these things. X Y Z. I'm not the economist. I don't know all the details. But when articles come out that you're not paying taxes, your company's getting away from it. Should you be able to net all of that profit without paying people within your organization a certain amount? Because you know that you know the above the line people are getting paid millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And even when the money's when going they, somewhere, when they ruin the company, they're paid millions of dollars in buyouts. <laughs> when a company goes bankrupt, yeah. they're still paid their bonuses out, which is absurd to me. Like, absurd. if you're gonna pay a bonus to anyone, it should be the employees. But and- <laughs> but we've t- we've debated about this multiple times yeah. because you know like do it's a very socialist perspective i don't think this is where i differ in this in this opinion not from you but from from this idea that that is a socialist payout right i don't believe if you didn't start the company and you didn't take the financial risk you don't own the company yeah, lots of companies you do have the ability to buy in whether it's stock or whether it's kind of mm-hmm. a, whatever on the back end i think that's incredible and i think it's incredibly generous of those companies but i do think there should be some kind of like triggers or checkpoints going, okay, if I'm not paying tax to the government, then I should be paying it internally to people who I've built this off the back of. You know yeah, I mean? Maybe there should be a rolling minimum wage where the more a company makes, the higher the lowest employee can make. Yes. That would be to me a fantastic idea. So if you have a, a struggling company, that's only making a hundred thousand a year, it's a different minimum wage than a company that makes a million or 10 million or a hundred million or a billion or a trillion. And the larger the company becomes, the more profit it has. The the it should be an elevated bottom. You, yeah, your your top guy should not be worth a hundred billion dollars, and your and your lowest employee getting paid fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, like it just it just shouldn't happen. Like I understand, and I was talking to someone like Singapore. You don't pay federal tax until your company is profitable. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a huge benefit to create companies that you don't have to build a profit on. You're building a net reach and bringing in revenue, but you're spending more than you're bringing in. So your company grows and you IPO or you at some point sell for a large amount of money. Singapore creates a great tax bracket because they're an import-export nation. It's really yeah. brilliant. I think there should be something like that here in the U.S. I'm sure there is in some degree. I am not a – that's where that's beyond me. Yeah. I was thinking about how when you're um, when you're poor – and you have very limited options and opportunities. The two ways usually they work out of poverty is one is education and the other one is entrepreneurship. And, and the great challenge is that when you're in an impoverished um, environment, most of the entrepreneur ide- um, opportunities are black market. It's underground. It's underground economies. And, and so, you have, so you have a lot of people who are super intelligent, super gifted, but the, but the way our, even our regulations work, um, only people with money can start companies. People who are poor, because of all of the regulations that we have in terms of starting companies and what you can do, um, even like the guy in the corner selling hot dogs and stuff like that, you, you know? Yeah. It's like, we, we it's, Hollywood so regulates all that. You, you Hollywood acts super liberal, but it, it, it actually, man, you're not allowed. It, it, it shuts down the taco guy down the street. There's a, there's a sign <laughs> on the corner that says you're not allowed to, to, to sell fruit or sell any of the vending, like kind of vendor mm-hmm. machines, like independent vendors. Yeah. And, and so if you create all these policies against these independent vendors, you're actually saying to people who are coming out of poverty, um, only the black market is available to you. You're not allowed to start legitimate companies. Yeah. And, and so I do think we have to look at that in some ways and, 
ask the question, how do we allow education and entrepreneurship to be accessed by people who uh, are not privileged, who really don't come from wealth or power or position? Uh, because we, we need to realize those things are lopsided in our culture. Absolutely. I mean, we when we were registering even Pagan in California, it was a nightmare. Eric was, there's a group text where Eric is going off because he does our, our finances and he's like, do you know how many fees we have to pay this year just for registering in California being a part of the state? And whatever, at that point, we have to do it. We're going to do it. Grateful that I have the means to do it. But it is really difficult to do without a large fund, without a large backing. Yeah. And, you know, I look back, like, I mean, I'm a first generation immigrant, but obviously so is my mom. And my mom came here, we worked as a stewardess for Pan Am. And um, we, I think, probably went bankrupt or lost everything three or four different times. Okay. Uh, my mom never took unemployment. My mom never filed for bankruptcy. In fact, she taught me an ethic. Like, I think one time I thought about... <laughs> you did, like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Well, when I was younger, I actually thought, oh, I'm going to go sell blood. So I can sell get some, what? Sell, sell blood. blood. Yeah. So I can get some extra income. <laughs> what was that? And, we worked with the producer that was like, how do, he's like, I made, it paid for college by selling semen and blood for like and, four and I, years. I was uh, probably 18, 19 and, you know, trying to make ends meet. And I mean, yeah. I got reprimanded going, you can go give blood, but you're not going to make your income on selling, selling your blood. blood. And you're not going to go on unemployment. You're not. And so they, they, my mom especially just beat this mentality into me. Uh, you can work. Yeah. Sing, single mother <laughs> entrepreneur. Yeah. I had a single, you know, and, 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 you know, and even though my mom, you know, remarried, she was still the primary breadwinner. You yeah, know, yeah. she, my stepdad was, uh, he lost more money and my mom made more money, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just raised with this driving work ethic. And so. The way for me, I applied this and this is one of the ways I could apply this even here is uh, we, we had, a, I think, you know, I mean, you know this. We had a guy who was mowing our lawn. He was from El Salvador. And I, w- I walked outside one day. He was just weeping. And I said, what's going on? He said, I, I had been robbed a month ago from all my equipment. And I got to my truck and my lawnmower and Edger was gone, robbed again. And there's no way I can afford to do this. And so uh, Kim and I invested in his uh, and helped him start a lawn mowing company. And then taught him how to expand his business. And, and he started doing our lawn for free. And I said, you can't do our lawn for free because we invested your but company. But you gave him the money for free. I, I, I did. I gave so, him the money. Okay, I so this is where I disagree with you. You didn't invest in him. You gifted it to him. I did. But That's I not also, an investment. That's a gift. Well, I think that sometimes, though, if you have more than others, it's okay to – I invest in him because um, he ends up having his own company, hiring employees. And to me, I was able to provide jobs by teaching him how to run a company. And so it was a mentorship in that okay. sense, you know. It was, and he was a Salvadorian, and you loved that too. And, and I did. I, I I love helping people who are immigrants and struggle and are working hard and are invisible to everyone else. And and it's not the only time we've ever done that. He helps lots of people, you know. Yeah. And and I I think that um, one, the government is the worst organization in the world to do that. Uh, human beings are the best to do that. And I I just think that there should be. Um, a lot more dynamic engagement in helping people start businesses, helping people get what they need to um, be self-sustaining. Um, but it all comes back to this whole thing of work. If you don't, if you're just trying to figure out how to make money to not work, I have a feeling you're going to be a slave to work all your life. 
And if you can, if you can actually see work as a value, it's a virtue, it's, it's, it's a part of what brings meaning and purpose to life. Uh, I love working. I love getting up and working. I love creating. I love producing. I, and um, if, if I were independently wealthy and didn't need a, another penny in my life, I would get up and I would work. <laughs> I would still find something new to do because I love creating. And I think that we're losing as a culture this value for this thing called work. I think work has become a four-letter word. Oh, it's always been a four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's sort of a metaphor. It's a, I know. <laughs> um, so I want to know how many of you think work is something you want to get out of, or something, or work is something you want to get into. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yesterday was something I wanted to get out of. I was pretty ready to throw in the towel on all the jobs that I do. I was just done, um, tired. And it's um, okay to feel that way. Is it though? Yeah, I mean, we all go through those. Well, the funny thing is I just left your office, which is across the mm-hmm. like hall from this little you know, space that we get. There's my office, I guess, but the battle ready room and everything. Um, and and I was complaining about like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I've done my time at Mosaic and I think I've done my time, you know, not working. I'm like, well, I'm gonna re- yeah, I'm going to retire. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Washington I'm, Post. OK, I'm not done, though. Oh, go ahead. Please. Um, and I, and I do oh, go, no, no, go, no, no, go, go, go talk about it. No, I'm just, I throw this in as you go. It says America's workers are exhausted and burned out. And it says, and some employees are taking notice that after 15 months of grappling with the pandemic, people are overwhelmed with stress and, uh, and companies are trying to, some of them are responding by giving people more time off. But I think that what you're, what you were experiencing yesterday, uh, is something that many people are experiencing. Okay. But the question really is, is the stress because we're overworked? I don't know. I think it's just the reality is that it's like it takes a lot of work to achieve things and to become great, right? Like we have this chat with every person who works under me. Like if you want to be a middle level manager, show up nine to five. You want to you want to be someone's boss, show up eight to six. If you want to run something, show up at seven and leave at seven. Like and then when you go to dinner, make it advantageous for what we're doing. If you like, you know, like just I was listening to, to an entrepreneur talk and he said, one way of being smart with your money is making sure everything you do is building your business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and to some and obviously like, you know, he's like, if I if I'm going on a vacation, I'm bringing someone with me and we're b- doing business. Like he just always he's like, I created I integrated my fun and my life, my family and my business, like how to do that and be smart about it. For me, I'm going I'm burned out probably by the sheer, probably just the last year. And I'm not burned out. Like I'm not complaining. I'm burned out. Sure. I'm bragging that I'm burned out. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm, I'm happy to have worked this much, but now I'm finding the balance of going like, I'm not, I, I know August I get time off, but I don't have time between now and August. If I, <laughs> if I don't do it, something doesn't come out with the gallery. If I don't do it, something doesn't come out with one of our projects. And so is it that I'm not releasing enough or is it that, I'm not achieving enough with what the output and it's not effective, you know? I think the stress and burnout oftentimes comes when you're working so hard and you're not sure you're ever going to achieve the outcome goals that you hope for. Yes. Yes. And that's that tension in between. Because to me, if you want no stress in your life, just do a job. (laughs) Okay. You know, um, if you want a lot of stress in your life, start a company. 
start a yeah. business. Yeah. And because when you work for yourself, you've got no one to give you time off. <laughs> yeah, that's, no. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that, that you're just it, you're not just risking with a new idea. You're risking with um, really your, your sweat and your blood. And so I never resent anyone who makes billions of dollars for their work or their idea. Absolutely I, not. I, I just think they should tithe. <laughs> and uh, tithing and giving would be like phenomenal. Yeah. And um, at the same time, I, um, I, I know how hard it is to do anything entrepreneurial, how hard it is to start anything from scratch, how hard it is to carry the weight of success and failure on your shoulders. Yeah. And yeah. I have so much respect. And people who go to work five days a week, eight to five, don't really fully understand what it's like to not be able to go to sleep um, without leaving work because I never leave work. No. Work like, is always with me. No. I, yeah, I was having this conversation with some, with our HR. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. And and they're like, take a vacation. I'm like, take a vacation from what? Like, taking a vacation, like an actual vacation with me turning off my phone and walking into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like, or like going somewhere on a, somewhere where no one can reach me. But I'm like, if, as long as I have my phone, there's, if I'm taking a vacation from Mosaic, I'm working on the other two things that we're doing. If I, if I don't do the other two things that we're doing, I'm just wasting my money because everything <laughs> I make from, from speaking or writing or being on a podcast or doing a TV thing, like put into the other three things that we do. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I have found myself in a bind, <laughs> you know, where it's like, it's, it's maybe it's too many projects mm-hmm. or maybe it's, being exhausted or maybe it's, you know, not realizing I love some of the things that I, I get to do. I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. How do you help people? So here's the thing. So I'm say I'm 23, which I'm not 33 in a week. Mm. And I'm going like, okay, look at 23 and me. I was 23 and me. That's funny. <laughs> the 23 year old Aaron living in New York city. I, we had just lost all of the money that we had. So I went from kind of like a nice, life driving a Range Rover and working for you and not at Mosaic at the company you had built, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. And then that thing stopped. So then sold the range, moved to New York, (laughs) tithed for the first time, which was a humbling experience. You did. You tithed thousands of dollars. I still remember that. Yes. And, um, and then I was living in our place there, which we no longer had because we were shutting it down because we had lost everything. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, um, and then went to work at YSL had a job before that that I was really bad at, but I'll save them the embarrassment of me being so bad at the job. <laughs> Worked at YSL, and also like I would leave YSL at like five, and then go to like a bar restaurant downtown that my friend had gotten me a job at. To like, essentially, I said I was a bartender, but really I was just cleaning the bar <laughs> and the restaurant, and it was awful because it was like an oyster bar. So it was like I just I literally was wearing thousands of dollars of clothes that I got for free. And then getting it, then just getting oysters spilled on it for like the rest of the, the rest of the <laughs> evening and like washing dishes. And I was really grateful because I also knew they were giving me a job that they would probably hire out for a lower wage. Mm-hmm. But they were giving me a job because I was a young kid and they were just trying to help me. But I remember being in that situation. I'd call, I'd text you like at four in the morning being like, I'm just leaving work. And you, you know, it's one in the morning in LA. And you'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd get back up and go back to YSL at nine. And, and it was, it wasn't forever. It wasn't long, but it was enough so I could pay my rent and get mm-hmm. out of, of the space. I did not, I loved life, but it wasn't enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't like reveling in the experience, you know, mm-hmm. I was exhausted. So how do you find joy or find the purpose in that moment 
because it's easy to go into your office now and go like, I, I, I get to help run things and I get to be a part of the highest level conversations and I'm just tired. It was, you know, like now it's like a luxury because I'm valued. Back then it was like, I had no value. I was the lowest denominator and all, the lowest on the ladder in all these spaces. Like how do you help someone find the value in the season that is just hard? I think one of the hardest things yeah. is to recognize that for a season in your life, you're becoming. Okay. You know, you it, wherever you're working, you're learning skills and developing attributes that will help you all your life, like showing up and working hard and uh, being resilient and persevering and getting up early and working late. And when you're 22 and 23, to me, it's not really the job that you're building. It's your character that you're building. It's who you are that you're going to take into your 30s that will actually build your future. And so the jobs I had in my 20s, there's not a single job in my 20s that I would ever have wanted for a lifetime. And um, I mean, I dug ditches. I worked construction. I worked as a carpenter. I was a lumberjack. I was a librarian. I mean, I did everything. You're a lumberjack. And yeah. And um, and there wasn't one of those jobs where I'm like, oh, this is it. This is my destiny. This is my purpose in life. It was pretty much this is going to pay the bills right now. And, but it was building me. It was shaping me. It was developing me. I think sometimes because we live in this social media culture, we think we're supposed to be successful by the time we're 26. We think we're supposed to be famous and we're supposed to have arrived by the time we're 28. And some people do. Right. You you know, and, but sometimes they're working backwards. They're 29 and they become extremely financially successful. Then they spend their thirties trying to figure out how to be a decent human being. <laughs> yeah. You know, they get it yeah. backwards. It's so true. And and what I would say is that, um, one, be patient with yourself. Like, realize that, um, you know, I mean, I started my first business when I was like 12, 13 years old. And I didn't realize I was learning the skills that would actually shape me in my 60s as well. Yeah. And, you know, and then I worked every kind of job and I had people tell me what to do and yell at me. And, you know, and I learned how to deal with the pressure. And, you know, it seems silly, but flipping burgers at a, at a hamburger, you know, fast food place during rush hour actually teaches you how to deal with pressure. Right, right. And, and that, that, that aspect goes with you wherever you go. Right. And I, and I think those are sometimes the things that we don't tell people, hey, it's not all supposed to be fun. Some of it is hard, and that's why it's called work. And a lot of this is about shaping you, but make sure you keep growing and learning and developing. And if you don't want to do that job forever, make sure that you grow. And a huge thing that helped me was when I was probably, you know, 16, 17 years old. I'm in high school, but I'm working 40 hours a week. And by the time I'm 17, I'm training managers at a pizza, you know, for a pizza chain. And I saw management. I saw these, these mostly guys in their 40s. And I looked at them and I thought, I don't want to be that guy Mm -hmm. when I'm 45. Yeah. Almost all of them were divorced because the the job demanded 80 to 100 hours a week of them. It was all consuming. They they were so unhappy. And at, at 18, when I'm being offered that track, I'm like, hey, no, thank you. Yeah. Because I saw the end game of that. I thought that's not what I want for my life. Yeah. That's actually what drove me to go to college. Yeah. yeah. I'm going, I need to find a new way to find a different future. 
And of course, I wasn't a person of faith. I didn't know Jesus. So I was trying to find a way uh, to create a future. But the hard work, it, it, it ingrained in me out of resilience. And it translated everything. And it translated when I went back to college, you know, when I, uh, the way I engaged learning, the way I thought about everything in life. It also expanded my thinking. And what I, I would say to you, if you're listening right now and you're like miserable, is first of all, if there is no meaning in your job, you bring meaning to your job. And right. the, one of the ways you can bring meaning to your job is right. by being a better human being. Okay. Because the way you treat other people, the way you treat employees, the way you treat peers, the way you treat your boss, <clears throat> all that is a part of who you're becoming. So here's what I'm saying in summary is that what I look back on and, and realize is that every job I had became meaningful when I cared about the people I was working with. Okay. And I cared about the people I was working for. Okay. And human relationships and helping other people, even when your life, when your job feels unmeaningful, can actually make that job meaningful. Right. Because in the end, life is about people. 100%. And what I love about work, you know, the best work is when you're doing something meaningful with other people. Serving others with others is, I think, the key to a healthy and holistic life. I, you know, I was, I, it was funny because I, I went and complained to you. I just I was like opening up and just being like, hey, I'm, I'm tired and, and how do, it's the second week in a row and it's a Monday. It shouldn't be like this. And I don't know, even know what day today is. But um, like, how do I, how do I be, be better and, and what do I need to do and what do I need to be in my life? And and then my cousin calls me from North Carolina and he, he's like, it's my day off. I'm going to get dinner. And like, he's just going out. He's like deep Southern accent. And he was just, we were just kind of talking. He's like, I'm tired. Like I'm a manager at my job. And he's 22 years old, mm -hmm. 23 years old. I don't even think he's 21, 22. 22 probably. Yeah. And he's like talking to me and he's like, you know, just, is it going to be like this forever? And I'm like, well, you're 22 and you're managing 40 year olds. Like you're doing a good job. Also, you have money, you have a car, you can, you have your own place, you can eat. Like you're not, you know, he comes from, he comes, we all kind of come from nothing. Like our family is like really built whatever they have. And, and, and he, it was like a really good moment. Cause I was like, okay, no, you still have more in you. You know, <laughs> he's like, do I buy this car? Or do I try to save up to buy a house? And I was like, what are you doing? Don't buy the freaking car. Buy, <laughs> save. He's like, I don't want to live in a house. I'm like, yes, but you can have roommates. They pay for your house. Like, we were just having this conversation. Yeah. I'm like yelling at him about stuff you were telling me. And it was just, it was just a funny cycle <laughs> of information. But I do think it is hard to live in a city and to make minimum wage. It is hard to mm -hmm. work at a company that is making trillions of dollars and you're economically the lowest paid person in that company. That's got to be hard. Mm -hmm. Or you can look at it and go, there, I have massive, there's infinite potential for growth in a place like this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's some places, you know, there's no infinite growth in other areas because it's whatever the growth is, is like we've had to make it and we've paid for that growth. Yeah. You know, so it, so I do think we've got to start to switch our perspective on work. Work isn't the villain. Work is like the vessel that we can actually take, we can build into, and we can achieve something and we can get to a place, I think, of freedom and of happiness. But I think we have to value the journey on the vessel and not see it as the villain and us as the victim. Absolutely. I think it's time for us to, um, to get back to work and to get to work. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Battle Ready Podcast. 
It's been a good one. I, I've enjoyed it. I, I have too. So we're going to post a couple clips. We'd love for you to go and comment on the Instagram Battle Ready Podcast. Let us know you're listening. Let us know you're getting to work. And if you have other conversations that you want us to talk about, let us know. Um, I love getting feedback. I love getting DMs. Um, we're super grateful. We're so grateful for every single person who supports the podcast on Anchor. Um, the link's in our bio if you want to support it. You can. Um, this is on Apple Podcasts. This is on Spotify. And this is on YouTube. So go check it out. Rate and review this podcast on Apple. And tell a friend. And tell a friend. Share with a friend. Get to work. <laughs> All right. See ya. Have a great week.